Did you turn to Philippians? Here's where we're at. This is where we're, we're, in fact, we're over halfway through, way over halfway through this series called Finding Biblical Focus for Your Future. This is how we got started in, in this year is finding a biblical focus for our future. There's a lot of people living life haphazardly. There's a lot of people just kind of rock, paper, scissoring their way through life. There's a lot of people trying to figure it out in their own strength. But I'm telling you today, the Bible, the Word of God can give you clarity of thought, clarity of understanding, clarity of perspective, and you can begin to see God's plan unfold for your life. And so we began this at the beginning of the year, uh, and uh, there's a lot we've said, and I'll share that with you. Let me give you what I'm calling even right now is our verse of the year. I just throw it in here, and I want us to read it out loud together. Everyone out loud, here we go. For you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. Psalms 102 verse 13, read it again. For you will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. I believe this year is a year of favor that we can tap into the favor of God. And and if we can begin to think that way, we can begin to believe that way. And I believe it unlocks the favor of God in our life. And we we talked about, uh, gosh, even in December about Mary that God favored her. It wasn't haphazard. God doesn't just haphazardly favor people. People live their lives and they do things and they respond and ways that God looks down and says, oh, I can't stand it. I got to put my favor upon them in a greater measure than ever before. How many of you could use some of that in the coming day? Woo, thank you, Jesus. And so get this verse down. Put your name in there. For you will arise and have mercy on Sam. For the time to favor me or him. Yes, the set time has come. Put your family's name. Put your business name in there. Come on. And everybody said amen. With that in mind, let's jump on in. Here's where we've been. I'm I'm working through seven big biblical focal points from Philippians. And here's the last four. Here's where we've been. The first one was the focal, from Philippians. It's all from Philippians. The focal point of the family of God. Man, when you read Philippians through this and how Paul loved the family, he helped the family, he cared for the family of God, he blessed the family, uh, <coughs> he prayed for the family. I'm telling you, uh, we need to take Paul's mindset and thoughts and, and heartbeat for the church seriously and say, man, let me love Jesus and his church like this guy did. And so that's where we, we started. Then we looked at the focal point of finances or finances. We're still doing that, by the way. Uh, but this letter uh, is really a thank you letter for this church in Philippi who were, if you go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul references them as very poor, almost to the point of poverty, but they had given their way out of poverty. They were givers and they were liberal with their giving. Some people think, well, when I get some money, I'll be liberal. Let me tell you something. The little widow woman who gave two mites, gave all she had. She gave more than everybody. How many of you know generosity is relative? I said this earlier, if Bill Gates came in and dropped 5K, we'd think we'd say thank you, but that would be not a generous gift because generosity is relative. Are you with me? And so we're learning to get our finances in order. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to, in fact, Sunday morning, how many more do you have left of the blessed life? You got four more left? 
And so we've got four more sessions, seriously, four more, four more sessions on Sunday morning at 9.15. There's donuts and coffee. Come on now, I'm trying to help you, all right? And I believe that if you'll plug in and just show up this next Sunday morning at 9.15, uh, even if you didn't get it all, uh, you can get some insight about your finances. And let me throw this out to you for you that just can't get here. If you go to theblesslife.com, you can find these uh, videos for free, okay? So you can watch them there. Just get the info, get the insight. Let's let God touch our finances. Let's get a biblical perspective about money. And then last week, or, or then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the focal point of faithfulness and being faithful to God and faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, all from Philippians. And then last Sunday, we talked about the focal point of fruitfulness. Now, this, this particular uh, last week kind of ignited something in me and it may be the spark for our next series on becoming fruitful, more fruitful for God. You can read John 15, and it'll get you all fired up. If you're going to be a disciple, you've got to bear much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. And that's where we've been. Now, this morning is going to... Uh, I'm pretty thrilled about this morning. Uh, in fact, I told... Uh, I told uh, people over at Praise, uh, I just love to talk about the Word. In fact, I love to hear myself talk. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's a good attitude or right, but uh, I'm excited about this morning. We're going to talk today about the focal point of focus. Now, now let me explain because you think, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about developing a healthy mindset for a hope-filled future. I'm talking about how you think. Are you with me? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And let me, let me tell you something. Your destiny depends upon how you think. Paul understood that. He realized that. And when you read this book through the lens of, of, of instruction of Paul, an example about how he thought about life, the, the, the mindsets he had. Let me just, uh, I'm going to explain mindset. Then I'm going to show it to you biblically. How many of you, uh, there's good, there's good mindsets and there's bad mindsets. You know, uh, uh, is anybody under, know, anybody know anybody sitting close to him that has some bad beliefs and mindsets about life? <laughs> uh, you know what I'm talking about. Things that build within us. I'll explain it in a moment that develops a belief system that may or may not be true. Okay? And so Paul understands this, and when you read this book through that lens, you're going to go, OMG, my goodness. He's trying to help them keep their, their lives from stinking thinking and to learn to think biblically because when you think biblically, you can be focused on God's purpose and plan for your life. And so clarity of focus, catch this thought, has more to do with how you think than what you see. Clarity of focus has more to do with what you think than what you see. In fact, what you think determines what you see. And so we got to think straight so we can see right and have a clarity of focus. And let me tell you something. If you're moving into the new year, you need focus. You need clarity. How many of you can say, Pastor, I need some clarity in my life about God's purpose and plan for my life. It begins with how we think. Because how many of you know Proverbs 23, 7 says, As someone thinks, so are they. 
As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so our thoughts are powerful. And I know I talk about this quite a bit. But listen, nobody can change your thoughts except you and the way you think. Let me show you, let me show you something. Philippians 1, 7, are you there? Look what he says this. He says here, just as it is right for me to think this of you all. Everyone say, think this. Now, the context is irrelevant at this moment. I want to show you the word. The word think means to exercise the mind to the point of disposition. Let me say that again. To exercise the mind to the point of disposition. Or number one, the development of a habit or the development of a mindset to, to, to develop an inclination towards something uh, and, and develop a, a, a really a belief. He said, my thoughts towards you, the way I think about you. He said, I'm going to think at, to the point and to the place that is going to develop a, a, a belief system within me. You understand that thought? Say amen. And when you look at this book, you're going to see that Paul addresses how we think and how he thinks and how we should think at least eight or nine different times in Philippians. And so uh, thoughts, I said it already, develop beliefs both positively and negatively. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. Look over into Philipp look in Philippians 3:19 first. And you can go to set you can be looking at 2 Corinthians 10 too. But look at Philippians 3:19. He's talking about people who are enemies of the cross of Christ. What does he say? Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on what? Earthly things. And if we set our mind on, on, on earthly things or natural things or fleshly things, it will develop a belief system within us. Now, take a left. Go to 2 Corinthians 10. You've seen this before probably, but I want to show it to you. Verse 3. Paul says this, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting you to know that our thoughts determine some things about us. They either develop beliefs and mindsets that are both either positive or negative, or good or bad, or holy or unholy. Here he says in verse uh, 3, for though we walk in the flesh, that isn't just our natural person, we do not war according to the flesh. It's not a natural war we're involved with in, uh, in our personal life. He goes on to say, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but mighty in God for the pulling down of what? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Somebody give me a, say strongholds. That word strongholds literally means castles in the mind. In other words, unhealthy, unholy thinking builds up castles of belief and castles of oppression and strongholds in, the, in our brains that have to be pulled down and destroyed. He goes on to say, verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every what? thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so what am I, I'm building a foundation here for you. The way we think determines where we go and what happens in our life. And it builds, we build mindsets in our life, both good and bad. In fact, let me explain one to you. Uh, years ago, uh, back in Quitman, I had this 
gosh, I think they were grandparents at the time. They'd come to our church and they were struggling in their marriage. Uh, and so uh, the wife came to see me and I sat down with her in the sanctuary. We're sitting there and we're just talking and I'm trying to help her. And, and I didn't really see you know, any big issues, but she just started just, and I realized this woman's got some, you know, some inner issues and I'm talking to her and she thought her husband was cheating on her. And I I said, I've talked to him. I I don't, I, I can't speak for him, you know, and then finally it blurted out of her. This, this was like her third marriage. I think finally it blurted out of her. Well, all men are cheaters. That got my attention. And I, I leaned in, I said, are you telling me all men are cheaters? Because this one didn't cheat. Then I realized something. What happened to this woman? She developed a mindset. Because of her experience, because of the circumstances of her life, because of the way she thought, she developed a belief system that, uh, that all men are cheaters. And all of us have things like that in our life, both positively and negatively. And Paul's coming to this church and what he's trying to do is help us understand, help this church understand that the power, the power of our thoughts and that how we've got to think correctly and rightly in order for the right mindsets and belief systems to begin to set up residence in our heart. You see, if we set up a belief system that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, if it gets in us on the inside of us, like Paul said, then we'll begin to believe, we'll begin to walk like that and talk like that, and we'll begin to experience life through the experiential understanding of we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But if we don't believe it, if it doesn't develop, if it doesn't build within us, then we can never be able to experience that. And our future is skewed. Our future is flawed. Our, our future is question marks. So with that in mind this morning, let me just throw out some thoughts to you. I'm going to give you six I, I, ways that Paul wants us to focus our thinking towards. Okay, and I would encourage you to write these down because at least one or two or five or six of them are going to be important to you. Are you with me? And so from Philippians, let me show you some some ways that Paul encouraged us uh, uh, to think and how he modeled it and how he encouraged it. And the first one is this. He wants to encourage us to think confidently, to be confident in how we think. Look in Philippians 1.12. Look what he says. And in fact, let me stop before we read it. Where's Paul? He's in what? Prison. How many of you know life was not grand for Paul from a natural perspective? He was beat up, left for dead, 39. Uh, he was whipped, bruised, battered, and scarred, thrown in prison. Some people believe twice. And here he is. And catch you the way he's thinking here. Okay. He's in prison. He's writing a letter. And he says, but I want you to know, brethren that the things which happened to me uh, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it became evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord have become more confident by my chains and much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm a poor for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. 
What a way of thinking. It, he developed a, a, a mindset of faith. Philippians 3, he talks about wrong thinking. And he says, you know what? In Philippians 3, verse 3, he said, uh, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, when you read the context here, what he's saying is, I've learned not to put my confidence in who I am and what I could do and what I have done. He talks about all his accomplishments but prior to giving his life to Christ. And he said, I don't put confidence in that. My confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got to embrace that thing in our life. You know, let me tell you something. You're no different than Paul the Apostle. He loves you just the same. The word of God is just for you, just like it was for him. And listen, we can embrace this mindset and begin to believe and trust God's word and develop a, a, let me do it this way, a stronghold of faith in our life that says, hey, all this pain and trouble, glory to God, it's all worked out for God's good. Are you with me? Say amen. In fact, Gosh, let's keep, let me just show it to you. Philippians 4, uh, 13. Look what he says here. He says this, uh, I, here it is. I can do all things through Christ. He's talking about being blessed and being in need. He's talking about, you know, having abundance and, 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 and how many of you know that there's good times? There's, there's, there's times of fatness and there's times of leanness, right? He said, in, in any state I am, I'm telling you, I've learned to be content because it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside around me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What a mindset. He's, he's teaching us and teaching this church. You got to learn to think confidently. And that's what he, he got on down right to the end of the book, verse 19. And my God, he, he has confidence for them too because of their faithful gift and their, their generosity to him and the way they thought about him. In fact, he, I'll show this to you in a minute. They had good thoughts about him. They were, they had a mindset and a belief system about Paul that caused them to want to give and bless. You know why a lot of people don't give to the church? Because they don't trust the church because they don't believe God's word because they don't believe this. They don't believe, I don't know. And so they, they don't, this, these folks believed in the vision of God. They believed in the, and Paul's ministry and they gladly gave and he, he commended them for it. And then Paul's belief and his confidence and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We got to change the way we think. In fact, Paul, well, the writer of Hebrews, I believe to be Paul, Hebrews 10, 35, said this, cast not away your confidence, which has great reward. Listen, you know, in times of trouble, we could cast away our confidence. In times of sorrow, we could, if we wanted to, cast away our confidence. In times of, of, of trouble and times of storm and rain and and, and problems and pain. We, we have a choice to cast away our confidence. But the writer of Hebrews, who I happen to believe is Paul, he said, hey, you just can't do that. If you do that, you're going to lose the reward that God has for you. You're going to quit too quick. And he said, cast not away your confidence, which has great reward. You see, when you begin to think confidently, and trust, put your trust in God and began to purpose, let me just say, purposefully 
Think confidently. I said this. Purposefully, think confidently. And when, when, your, when your past, that stronghold of unbelief tries to raise its ugly head in your life, you say, no, 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 that has no authority over me. In fact, in the power of Almighty God, I'm pulling down that stronghold and I'm changing the way I think and what I used to believe I don't believe anymore because the devil put a castle in my mind and of a belief system that was faulty and flawed and I'm pulling that down today and it's not taking authority over my life any longer in the name of the Lord. And I put my trust in my thoughts. I'm thinking good thoughts. I'm thinking faith-filled thoughts. I'm thinking thoughts of, of, of peace and not of evil like God's thinking about me. That's what God said about you. I know the thoughts I think towards you. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. If God's thinking those kind of thoughts towards you, shame on you for thinking anything else. And me too. Amen. We've got to focus on thinking confidently. And if that's not your, your gig, well, where's that going to get you? Let me tell you something. If, if that's not your nature, you need to change the way you think. Are you with me? Because we're talking about our future here. We're talking about our destiny. We're talking about a hope-filled, healthy life. Begins with hope-filled, healthy thinking. So Paul modeled for us and encouraged us to think confidently. Number two, uh, and this is important for our church family and our fam and just families to think collectively. What do you mean? Look, let me show you in, in the scripture. Philippians one twenty-seven. If you're in Philippians, Philippians one twenty-seven. What does he say here? He says this: Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He's talking about being like-minded when it comes to the purpose in God, purpose of God for our life as a church family. Most people think the church is for them. And the church does benefit us because we're a part of the family of faith. But the mindset has to be, we've got to catch the collective vision of God for, for, uh, for our life and for the church. We're called to gather, we're called to grow, we're called to give and we're called to go. We've got to get that in our system and believe it together. And when we get like-minded in some things, we can move mountains. And we got to think collectively. Let me, I'm going to give you some more scriptures. Let me throw this out to you. If you're not tapping into the wisdom of God and the thoughts of others within the family of God to help you formulate your, your beliefs and your, uh, and your core values and, and the mindsets that we should have uh, as, as believers, if you're not tapping into uh, outside resources within the church family, within the kingdom of God to help you positively develop how you think, OMG, I fear for your future. Because you and I don't have it all figured out. Just tell somebody, you want to be a little sassy this morning, turn to somebody and say, hey, pastor said you don't have it all figured out. You don't have it all. How many of you, I don't have it all figured out. Let me tell you something. My wife helped me today so much. Thank you, Jesus. We had a little tiff before we left church, but we got, I'm getting better. I, I miss I misplaced my keys, and last night when we came in, I know I unlocked the door, and and I uh, uh, and then and then I got home because I I had another key for the limo. You ought to see that limo sitting in my driveway. It's pretty funny. The neighbors neighbors thought the preacher had stepped off the deep end. 
But I couldn't find my keys. And so I remember, where's my keys? I guess I left them at church, came up here, Trish. They're just not here. They're not here. They're not here. I text Beverly. And, and, and when all else fails, blame your wife. Would you look in your purse, please? And she said, well, I'm about there. I'll look in my purse. So she, of course, looked in her purse. She said, and she, then she said this, well, you know, last night you went out to the warehouse and got an extension cord. And then I remembered they're in the door at the warehouse. She had it figured out. I'm so glad I'm not relying upon my own thinking. Now, there ain't no way she's going to make me think all the way she thinks. But I, she tried. But I'm not going to think. But I appreciate how she thinks sometimes. Hallelujah. And sometimes she appreciates how I think. And let me let me tell you something. As the church family, we need to realize that if we just rely upon how we think, let me tell you something. We all got a little bit of stinking thinking. And if you're not careful, that stinking thinking will take over your life and mess you up, your family up. And how many of you know we, some of our stupid thinking messes our kids up? Okay. All right. We got to think collectively. Look in Philippians 2 2. Fulfill my joy by being like minded. Everyone say like minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. In fact, he's talking about having a corporate mindset. Listen, if we can get all on the same page about what our purpose is, we can change the world. What's the definition of division? Division, division, two different visions. And if in a marriage or a church there's division, two different division, two different visions, you'll never get anywhere. We got to get like-minded. We got to think co- collectively, and it just goes on and on. <clears throat> Philippians two twenty. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. He's talking about Timothy. Gosh. Philippians 3.16, over and over again, he says this, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Philippians 4, 2, these two, I think it's ladies, I'm not sure. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntechia, it don't have to be ladies, oh yes it does, uh, to be of the same mind. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. They got, he tells these two women, you better, hey, get off your division and get on to some like-mindedness. You better fix that or it's going to mess you up. It'll mess the church up. Say Amen. And let me just say this. We need one another. You know what? If my wife hadn't thought the thought she thought today about my keys, I'd still be standing up here smiling at you, but I'd still be frustrated because I didn't have my key. Think about it. We don't need others to do our thinking for us. But we need other people's thoughts. And how they think. And we put them in a blender. We blend them up and come together with some common ground. Man, I appreciate that. Amen. So we think confidently. Paul is teaching the church and teaching us that we've got to be focused on how we think. To think confidently. To think collectively. And here's a huge one. This was huge. To think considerately. In everything we think, it needs to be filtered through the lens of the consideration of others. Look what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says, let nothing be done. That's an action, right? 
Let me tell you how actions happen through the way we think. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, humility of mind. Let each uh, esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not out for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. What is he saying? When you, hey, healthy thinking, healthy thinking for your future is not a selfish thing. It's a, it's an unselfish thing. And you, you put yourself out on the, on the, uh, forefront of life and go and you begin to develop thoughts that have benefits for others hello we began this year challenging us to be more generous how many of you know it's hard to be generous if you're selfish amen and be considerate in fact, Paul commends this church on how they thought considerately. If you go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, I've read this as 4, verse 10. Let me see. Uh, yeah, 4, 10. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Everyone say your care for me. Now, that's a good interpretation. It's a good translation. But when you look a little deeper, here's the way it, it really reads. Uh, your, your thoughts that have led you to a place of considerate care and investment. They had given to him. He said, your thoughts, your care for me, the way you thought about me produced within you a generosity that he bragged about in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And he's commending them for how they thought about him. And the purposes of God. Think confidently. Everyone say, think confidently. Everybody say it. Think confidently. Say, think collectively. Number three, think considerately. And man, oh man, we need some of that. What would happen, ladies, if your husband started thinking about you more? What would happen, man, if your wives started considering you and their thoughts and everything they do? What would happen, families, if we began to consider each other? What would happen to the church? What would happen in, the, in our neighborhood if we start thinking about others more than ourselves? And all of us, how many of you got, come on, let's be honest. How many of you have a little selfish bone in you? We all do. I mean, we, we care about ourselves. In fact, the Bible says you got to love one another as you love yourself. Okay, and so I understand that, but we've got to begin to crucify ourselves and begin to think through life. If you want to have a blessed, healthy thought life, think through the lens of consideration and care for others. And everybody said amen. So important. Number four, this is easy. Think correctly. How many of you know there's some stuff just stinking thinking? How many of you know, you know the difference between healthy and unhealthy thinking? <laughs> How many of you know the difference between holy and unholy thinking? Okay, some of you did lying to me there. You know, we all know the difference, but we, and, but we have the capacity because of who we are in Christ to begin to think correctly. Let me show you this. Philippians 3, 17 and, uh, 18 and 19. Well, I, he, 
I've read it already once, but what he's talking about is those people who were thinking unhealthy. They were thinking, un, they were, they were doing ungodly things. They were enemies of the cross. Their gods were their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. He's saying that's how, that's how it all happens. When you set your mind on the earthly, fleshly things, it produces earthly and fleshly fruit in your life. And that's what he was saying. And he said, you got, and he's encouraging them to realize that and to guard their mind. And then you get over to Philippians 4, 8, which probably all of us have read. Finally, brethren. In other words, let me bring all this to some conclusion here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things or whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think, meditate on these things. In other words, we can train our brain to think healthy and holy and cleanly and rightly. And correctly. Are you with me? In fact, I love Colossians 3, 1 and 2. You can turn over this just to the right, just a, 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 a list of, gosh, one page for me. Colossians 3, uh, verse 2. He says this. Oh, I'll read verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, in other words, focus. Here's where your focus needs to be. If you're born again, Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Catch verse 2. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. And can I tell you today that you and I have the capacity to do that. To, to, to take authority over our thoughts and say, no, I'm not thinking that way anymore. Or if we've built a stronghold in our brain over the, over the years, then we war in the spirit like we read in 2 Corinthians 10, and we pull that thing down, and we defeat it and destroy it in the name of the Lord, and we begin to fill our brain with that which is good, healthy, and holy, and begin to think this way. you got to learn, you got to train. Listen, this is strategic for many of us, especially if we battle unhealthy or unholy thoughts. we got to fill our brain, which that is good, holy and acceptable and began to think clearly, think cleanly and correctly and set our mind on things above. Amen. Let me give you two more. You got, do you have enough strength for two more? If you got enough strength for two more, say I'm with you, pastor. Number five, we got to think constructively. Our thoughts have to have progress involved. Our thoughts have to have something being established and built within us, we've got to think constructively. Let me show you this in Philippians 2, 12. Turn back over there, Philippians 2, 12, and it says this. We've read it before in this, in this series. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out. Somebody say work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's a construction word in a sense, that work out. It means work on something until it is finished. That's thinking constructively. 
Work on something until it is completed. Recognize there's progress that has to be made. And we've got to think constructively. And we can, hey, we could expound on this if we want. When we think about our life and all the things that take our focus and what we point, you know, what, what consumes us, we have to ask ourselves, is this constructive in my life or destructive? Is what I'm focusing on in life benefiting me or not benefiting? Is it, is it moving me forward into the purposes of God for my life? Is it helping me get where I need to go? Is it keeping me moving in the right direction? <clears throat> Paul said this in Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, oh, verse 12. Not that I have already attained. In other words, it's not over. It's not finished. He didn't have a finished now, when you get over to 2 Timothy, he was getting to the point of completion. He said, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my race. He knew he was coming to the place of his completion, but here, not so much. He said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say, I press on. I want you to get the feel of this constructive, progressive mindset that he had. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. This is the way we need to think. That we're moving forward. God is working something within us. And we're working out our own salvation. That doesn't mean we're, we're working our way towards salvation. It means when we get born again, we work it out. How many of you know your spiritual life it needs to be worked out to grow stronger and more healthy? If you're with me, say amen. We think constructively. And then finally, this is important. Paul taught us not only to think constructively, but to think conclusively. Look in Philippians 4, 8 one more time. Let me show you this. Finally, my brethren, and he goes on down at the end, and he says, if there's anything praiseworthy, think or meditate on these things. This word is very interesting. It means to take inventory. It's like a math word almost. To take inventory. Now, over at M&D, y'all take inventory. Am I right? You take inventory. Man, when it's inventory time, just, just you're on your own, man, because they got, they got stickers and things everywhere and you can't, you're afraid to touch anything because that's inventory. So they take inventory. They got to know, they got to make sure them, the numbers match up, that there's this many of this, that we said we had this many of this. And so they're taking inventory. And this word has to do with taking in all these good things, okay, that there's good and healthy and holy things. Think on these. Add up these things in your life. Take inventory of them and come to some conclusions. Two plus two equals this plus this equals that. In other words, develop. And here's what this whole, this is what he's saying. This is what I've been trying to say all morning. What he's saying as he gets to the end of this, when he says, finally, my brethren, all these good things, you need to add them into your life and you need to uh, uh, just take inventory of them and, and, and allow them to build on one another and build within you a belief system of faith and confidence that will help you move forward into the purpose of God for your life. Paul did that. 
What he's saying is develop a healthy mindset and belief system through strategic thinking. Thinking rightly, healthy. Thinking confidently, collectively, considerately, correctively, constructively, and conclusively. Paul has come to some conclusions in life because of how he thought. Could I, let me just share them with you. Go back to Philippians 1.12. When I read this to you earlier, he said, but I want you to know. He said, I want you to know something. I've come to some conclusions here. I've been thinking about this prison stuff. I've been thinking about how this has all worked. And I've got some conclusions. I have come to a conclusion that this is all working out for God's benefit. People are getting born again. The church is more bold to preach the gospel. This is my conclusion about my problem. How did he get there? By healthy, right thinking. Let me show you some more. Philippians 1, 21. Now, this one's really good. I love this one. This fits so good. Uh, uh, verse 21, he's, he wants to go to heaven. He's been through it, folks. And he's in a quandary. Anybody ever been in a quandary? He wants to go to heaven, but he wants to stay and help. Now watch how he adds this stuff up. Watch how he thinks through this process and comes to some conclusions. So, hey, listen, if your thoughts never come to some conclusions and belief systems that are good, beneficial to you, you're just wasting time. But if you think correctly and come to the right conclusions, look what he says. He says, verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh, oh, verse 21, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what, what I shall, what I shall choose, uh oh, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. He's, he's back and forth. I don't, what should I do? I want to stay. I want to go. For I am hard pressed between the two. You ever been there? Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Who's it far better for? Him. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, here comes the conclusion. He worked it out. He thought about it. He worked it out. He, he thought confidently. He thought uh, 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 collectively. He thought considerately. He says, now I've worked this out. I come to this conclusion, being confident of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Amen. Boom. I worked it out. I thought rightly that helped me come to some good conclusions. Let me show you another one. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me? He had gained a lot of things. These things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. He came to some conclusions because of right thinking about where he was and who he served, that all those things I gained in the former life, they're all rubbish. So be it. It's all like dung. Give me, let me give you another one. Philippians 4.13, I said it a hundred times. You probably memorized it. 
when it comes to what I, things that he would choose. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Conclusion of that issue is I can do all things through Christ. It doesn't matter. My thought processes are no different if I'm abased or whether I'm abounding. I can do all things through Christ. And that's what he said about the church. My God, shall, here's, here's the conclusion. Here's his conclusion after thinking about this church and how he thought rightly and thought uh, graciously. Thought, and, and he said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's my conclusion about you. We've got to think that way. Are you with me? Say amen. And so as we look to the future, we choose our thoughts. We choose how we're going to think about things, about our problems, about our losses, even about our blessings, about the question marks. How am I going to think through this? I got to think right. I got to, I got to think this out biblically we're going to close this morning I told you this that I believed that today God was going to speak to us I believe that happened today in many of your life and you go, oh, preacher, that was a good thought. But all of a sudden, if you'll think about it and ponder it and take it home and chew on it a little bit, you realize God is speaking to me this morning. And let me tell you something. He loves you so much that he wants you to get it right here. And if there's strongholds of unbelief and doubt and fear and unhealthy and stinking thinking, he said, we can pull that down in the name of the Lord. It's a stronghold that can be broken. And I believe in 2018, we can change the way we can think. And we think, and if we change the way we think and begin to think rightly and strategically, we'll change our destiny. And we'll find the favor of God upon our life like never before. You believe that this morning? Let's stand together. I want to pray for you and pray with you today. I want everyone in this room, if, if, you, if you feel okay about it, just begin to lift your heart and even maybe your hands and begin to thank God for how he thinks over you. As I quoted just a few moments ago in Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Lord, we thank you for how you think about us. We thank you for your good thoughts towards us. And Lord, we thank you for the word of the Lord that is training us and challenging us and leading us to think rightly, to think, Lord God, the way you would have us think. Because our thoughts determine our actions and our actions determine our destiny. And Lord, our destiny determines whether we are living in the will of God or in the will of the flesh. So, Lord, we give ourselves to you today. Transform our thoughts.
this morning, if there's anyone here with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to close with a prayer of faith over you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's a stronghold that has developed in your life, in your mind, the way you think that you know is wrong, but it, but you can't seem to tear it down. You realize today by the, by the microscope of, of, of God's word that there's some strongholds that are unhealthy or unright or, 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 or with a lack of faith that have established in the way you think. Lift your hand wherever you are and we're going to pull it down in the name of the Lord. Father, today, Lord, we lift our hands to you. Lord, people in this room, Lord God, myself included, we all have belief systems that are restrictive and are are, are resisting the will of God. And Lord, we take authority over them today. We take authority over the mindset of the flesh. We take authority over the mindset of the devil that has been established within us and built within us. And we speak to these strongholds, these castles of the mind, and we pull them down. You got to pray with me on this one. You, you got to agree with me. We pull them down in the name of Jesus. You, now you speak to it right now. What's in your, in your head, in your heart, the way you believe that you know is not right. It's a stronghold. You speak to it and you take authority over it in the name of Jesus. We pull the stronghold down by the power of Almighty God. And Lord, we begin this day to think rightly, to think correctly, to put our mind on things above and not on things of the earth. In Jesus' name, help us build a healthy and hope-filled thought life with healthy thinking. We, we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.